Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. And for us to feed our spirit is the Word of God. And this morning we have an ambassador of Christ in the house. And if you are excited just like I am, please let's stand on to our feet. And with a clap offering, let's welcome the leader of this church, Reverend as Gilbert we as well. Away from thy presence. a living hope. Thank you for giving us a solid and a living faith in Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus that you shall bless this message, that you shall inspire us, that you shall give us new strength, you shall give us new vision. Open our eyes to see the calling that is upon the Christian, the believer, the one that you have called, so that we would embrace all aspects of being a believer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats in the presence of the Lord. And you are welcome to our Sunday service. We are going to start with the scripture of the week, which is 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. 2 Chronicles 20, 20, out of the King James Version. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Second Chronicles 20.20. Hallelujah. So let's say it together. Second Chronicles 20, 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, 
Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Second Chronicles 20, 20. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank the Lord. This scripture is one of the very important verses in the Bible. What was happening at this time was that there was a war. The people of Israel, or people of Judah, their king was Jehoshaphat. And they had had an enemy come against them. And they sought the help of the Lord. Hallelujah. And they had a prophet who spoke, encouraging words that they are going to win. And then afterwards, the king mentioned these words. That Judah... There are two things that are very important that you do. Hallelujah. The first one is to do what? Believe in who? The Lord your God. Hallelujah. That always must come first. Amen. Believe in the Lord your God and you will aman. You will be established. The Hebrew is aman. Hallelujah. It's like you will be nurtured. That's, that's the implication of the word. You will be established, nurtured, you, 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 you will do well, like, like, like you, you are going to flourish. Hallelujah. Amen. Believe in the Lord your God. But then it goes on to say, believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. The word there is chalak. Hallelujah. So a man is establishment which you obtain when you believe in the Lord your God. But in addition to believing in the Lord your God, you also have to believe in his prophets. Because there is a certain Chalak, which means to search forward. Hallelujah. Amen. To search forward. To come, come forward mightily. That one is going to come to the ministry of a person that God will send into your life. Hallelujah. You see, God's equation is that, okay, God is spirit. John chapter 4 and verse, I think, 24. So it's like, God is spirit. Hallelujah. So in dealing with that God who is spirit, he's going to place before you a human being that you can see, feel, and touch. Hallelujah. Amen. And so if your mind is like, okay, me, I believe in God, but I don't want to deal with the human being that God has sent to you, you are not going to participate in the prosperity, the chalak part. Amen. Amen. And God is the one who is doing his own, making his own rules. I mean, who are you to advise God? You have Abimelech. Amen. We've, we've read this before. Abimelech was about to take Abraham's wife. Is that not so? And the Lord appears to Abimelech and says, Abimelech, you are a dead man. The person you are about to touch is a prophet's wife. And I said, I didn't know. Because the behavior between uh, Abraham and, and Sarah, that you couldn't tell that they were married. Amen. You know, there are some couples in public, they don't, you, you may not even notice that they are married. Yeah. They are, the behavior is like, the behavior is like somebody and their sister. Amen. Meanwhile, when you get to certain quarters, you want action. When you, if you want people to know that I'm with you, in public, you have to do, show some affectionate things. Amen. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, there are some also who publicly show affectionate things, but when they go to the house, it's a tiger and a tigress. <laughs> May God deliver us from it. But you see, from, from watching Abraham and Sarah, he couldn't tell that they were married. So, you know, um, you know many kings have many wives. So, he was about to take Sarah, but the Lord stepped in and intervened. And he said, look, this is a prophet's wife. 
and he said, I'm about to strike you and your household with a sickness. You, you won't survive. And then, then he said, I didn't know. The Lord said, yeah, I know you didn't know. But the Lord made a statement, which is very revelatory. The Lord made a statement that he is a prophet. That is, Abraham is a prophet. Go to him and let him pray for you so that you will not die. It's very baffling that who is Abraham going to pray to when he's praying for Abimelech? Who is Abraham going to pray to? But God himself is having a conversation with Abimelech. Why does God have to now have Abimelech go and talk to Abraham, the prophet, and pray before God would intervene? Hallelujah. Sometimes that's how God works. That is why in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, believe in the Lord, uh, believe in God, believe also in me. Because Jesus was the manifestation of God in the, in the flesh. Often what happens is that believers would like to deal with the spiritual being God. But then you have a problem with your prophet. You have a problem with your pastor. There is an aspect of the blessing of God which will go past you. Hallelujah. There, one day, um, there, there was a man of God in, uh, who was saying that God has called him to um, address diseases of pastors. And God has called him to speak about weakness and problems of pastors. And somebody asked him, do you have a pastor yourself? Because if you are not under authority, how can you have authority to do to correct other people? Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Alright, so that is the scripture of the week. Please meditate on it. But how many enjoyed the series that we've been having uh, lately? We've had, I think, seven or eight weeks. Hallelujah. What was the series title? Stay connected and prosper. So today, uh, we are about three weeks away from the passion of Christ. You know, so we want to dedicate the next three weeks to discuss the passion, to discuss the sufferings of Christ and our part in it. What do you think? You know, in, uh, if you've been Roman Catholic before, there's something called the Via Dolorosa, which is the way of sorrows or the way of the cross. Amen. And many believers have not been trained to think that when you are called as a believer, part of your calling, part of, part of your duty is to also suffer for Christ. Hallelujah. There has, been, there has been a dilution of the Christian message that when there's a lot of suffering, people want to retreat. Hallelujah. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament, God has given various symbols of the body of Christ. Various symbols of the way of Christ, the symbols of the body of Christ. Can you give me some of the um, imagery that has been used in the Bible to describe the church or the body of Christ? The church is like what? It's like what? A lamb. The bride, yes. Is that the bride? So, so, so that's, that's a symbol of marriage. Is that not so? That Christ is the bridegroom and we are what? The bride. Wonderful. What were you going to say? The church is what? Sheep. And Christ is who? The shepherd. Hallelujah. Okay. So please take note of uh, all these examples because each of them, we are going to come to it one by one. Okay. Uh, can somebody write it down? So we have the picture of marriage. The church is married to Christ. Is that not so? And then the church is also called sheep. And Christ is the shepherd. Sometimes, you know, usually Christ appoints an under-shepherd who is a human being, all right. So what other imagery in the Bible describes the church? 
Jesus is the head and we are the body. So there's a picture of the human body. Hallelujah. There's a picture of the human body also describe the church. Wonderful. Anybody else? The branch and the vine. Hallelujah. So Christ is what? The vine and we are what? The, the, the branches. And what did Christ say about his father? He's the vine dresser or he's the gardener. Is that not so? So, so then the church can be seen as what? A garden. Is that not so? Okay. And, and so that is John chapter 15. Okay. What else? What other image do we have? We have another image of the Christian race being described as, well, I used the word already, race. The Christian life described as a race. Is that not so? We will read the scripture, Hebrews 12. Okay. Another imagery in the Bible is the Christian, the body of Christ is a building. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter said that we are living stones, which God is putting together to build a spiritual house. Is that not so? Yeah. So we are a building. Okay. Another picture in the Bible is that the Christian um, calling is like being in an army. Is that not so? So now, if we were to take each of these one by one, there is the beautiful part and there is the part that is not so nice, right? So, for instance, if you are sheep, right, following a shepherd, if you are sheep, what are the good things that sheep will get to enjoy? The what? The direction of the shepherd. Amen. So, so think of animal sheep, like, what, what are the things that, you know, because the, the shepherd will direct you away from the wolf. Is that not so? Protection. You enjoy protection. And then don't forget about the green grass. Pasture. Hallelujah. All these things are benefits of being sheep. So, so all the imagery that God uses to describe the church, there is the nice part. Hallelujah. And then, but then you realize that by being sheep and being part of the fold of the sheep, what are some of the things that the sheep may suffer? Harsh weather. Amen. You are following the shepherd. The shepherd says we are going this way. You don't feel like going, but because you are under shepherd, you have to follow. And if you are going off, the shepherd will use the staff to do what? Correct you. Do you, do you understand? So you, you see that in the imagery of sheep and shepherd, there are times, it's not every day that you are eating green grass. You are not independent. You are following you are, you, are, you are not doing your own thing. So, so in every human endeavor, there is the sweet, nice part. But then there is the aspect that is what? Not so enjoyable, but it is necessary. Hallelujah. If you think of the church as what? The uh, garden, the vine. Jesus made a statement in John chapter 15. He said that I am the what? The vine, you are the branches. He said every branch that bears fruit, my father does what? He prunes it. He prunes it. What does pruning mean? It takes off, chops off parts of it. Hallelujah. And if the, the branch can feel like a human being, that pruning process is not a, an enjoyable experience. Are you there with me? Amen. But you notice that the branch benefits from the sap, the, the liquids from the stem that is coming up. But that in order to bear fruit, there might be some need for pruning. Amen. You see, Christians have been I don't know what to use, to use the word tricked. Fooled. Many Christians have been fooled in thinking that coming into Christ means that 
you are going to be lying on flowery beds of ease where there's not going to be any pain, there's not going to be anything uh, to suffer. But that is, that is a sad, uh, uh, false presentation of Christ. Hallelujah. If you think of the church as a building, right? You know, a building, like, okay, this is a very good example. Because nowadays you can use drywall and make a building. But, you know, traditional stone building, like this one, you can see it's, it's, made, it's made of squares. Is that not so? Each square represents what? A block, right? Now, these have been neatly cut in neat rectangles. But back in the days when they used stone, you get it, to build. If you need a stone that will fit the hole that you are trying to, you know, you may have to cut the stone, chip some parts off. Hallelujah. So if we are the building that God is building, and each individual is a stone that God is putting together, sometimes the way, the shape, and size that you come <laughs> may not be what is needed for the hole that needs to be fit. Hallelujah. Amen. Now think about it. If you were a stone lying around, just a stone lying around versus neglected versus a stone that is part of a very important building. What are some of the important buildings in this country? The White House. Amen. If you go to Rome, you go to St. Peter's Square. If a very important building is being built and you are a stone lying around, in fact, you may be, you, you can easily become one of the stones in the, um, where they have the flowers and, I mean, you are just lying around. People will be trampling over you. Would you not rather be chosen and be built into the edifice, the beautiful structure God has built? Would you not rather choose to be part of it? Hallelujah. But it doesn't come without some suffering. Because if you are a stone, in order to fit into the super structure God is building, there might be need, the need to chip some things away. Hallelujah. Anyone who tells you that you don't have to do anything, all you need to do is to just come. Like you meet a lady. <laughs> the lady has given you what they call a scholarship. It's like the lady is so infatuated with you. It's like within a week, she wants to marry you. Do you get it? And the lady is telling you, you know what? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay anything. I mean, I am footing the wedding and everything. All you need to do is do what? Show up. Pray about it. If, if you meet somebody who says, all you have to do is just show up. Because you see, in this world, eh, there's an equation that you cannot do without. If it is so cheap and so easy, pray about it. Amen. Because you may never know after the wedding, then you, you will do what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like then she's the queen in the house. There's a after because because he said show up and you also go, want to rent tuxedo and then you came to stand there and everything because you see at the end of the day at the end of the day you know if you are not supposed to do anything you just need to remember what to say right if they say say uh, yes I do I do yeah because that she has footed the whole thing but the marriage is not the wedding day. My brother, you will go to the house and then you will discover that she doesn't even have teeth. Hey. <laughs> it's like, hey, you are going to brush your teeth and then there is something sitting on there. <laughs> Say, hey. Look, don't be too fooled by any presentation of Christianity, which is so easy. Amen. Are you there? Yes. I mean, some brothers are suffering, you know, you may never know. <laughs> If it is too easy, one brother 
he told us, one brother, he told us, he said, in the house, when I want to do something, my wife said, I have to carry her at the back. It's a true story. I'm not making it up. I have to carry her at the back and run around the room seven times. <laughs> so if you had the wedding easy and she spared everything, it's like you don't know what you are signing up for. Amen. Anything that is presented as so easy with no suffering at all, pray about it. Hallelujah. All you need to do is you have got to show yourself. Look, some time ago I attended a party. I was a student. And somebody was organizing a party. And they said, oh, just, you know, just find something nice to wear and show up. I mean, just bring yourself. I mean, we are just trying to have a, a nice time. People had extra information that I didn't have. So I showed up. <laughs> so at the party, it got to a point, music and everything is going on. And then one guy took the microphone. He said, now this is the time. It's time to hook your babies. And I went with no partner. <laughs> he said, hook your babies, hook your babies, hook your babies. And I looked to the left and I looked to the right because I didn't know. That I didn't get the full information that, I mean, because we were all fellow students. Do you understand? But you had to have had conversations among people that, okay, you are my partner tonight. Okay, do you agree? Yes, I agree. But I, did, I went unprepared. So people were hooking their ba babies, and then I'm standing there. Amen. Then I saw a sister. A sister called Daniela. Daniela also was looking around, not finding anywhere. <laughs> Hook your babies, okay. She said, okay, let's have a mutual. Are you with me? Whenever you are about to engage in any activity, you need to ask questions, right? You need to find out what is the whole thing about. What, is there anything extra that I don't know? Hallelujah. And the Christian life is like that, that there is some suffering in it, which many Christians have not actually understood. Amen. So today, we want to talk about what you would accomplish through the sufferings of Christ. What you would accomplish through the sufferings of Christ. You will discover from 2 Timothy, you know, the Christian life is what? Like what? An army, being in an army. So if somebody said bride, right? If you are the bride of Christ, and at the same time you are what? A soldier in the army of Christ. The picture you get is that you have the picture, right, of a bride in combat boots. That's who we are. We are brides of Christ in combat boots. Can you, can you imagine you go to a wedding and the bride is wearing combat boots? Amen. The, from here to here is the wedding dress and then the shoe she's wearing is combat boots. That's the calling of a believer. So on the one hand, you are a bride. But then, because of the rough terrain, because of the, of the, of the, of the bombs in the road, your high heels ain't going to cut it. You need combat boots. It means you are called to suffer for Christ in an army. Hallelujah. Let's look at these scriptures. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. We are going to read some scriptures that would correct our minds in terms of our Christian calling. For us to know that suffering as a Christian, is part of our calling. Hallelujah. For you, it has been granted. You should keep in mind that Paul was writing to Philippians who are Christians. Amen. 
For you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, amen, but also to do what? To suffer for his sake. For you, it has been granted. If you are Christian, remember Philippians 1.20, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. So you see, in John chapter 1, verse, what, is it verse uh, 12 to 14, it says that, as many as received him, as, uh, uh, to them he gave the right or the power to become what? The sons of God or the children of God. Even to those that believe on his name. Hallelujah. So that you, are, you got the impression that all you need to do is to believe. All you need to do is just show up. But in addition to believing in Christ, you must suffer for his sake. We are talking about what you will accomplish through the sufferings of Christ. Amen. There are some things that need to be accomplished through the sufferings of Christ. Now, Christ did this, but at the time Paul was writing the letter to the Philippians, where was Christ? He had resurrected. Amen. This is not before the Gospels. This is after the Gospels. This is after Acts. Christ had died, rose again from the dead. He had been on earth for um, 50 days, I mean, no, no, six weeks, and then ascended to heaven. Is that not so? After ascending to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit uh, a week later, or 10 days after ascension. And then the church had started. Now, Paul is writing to the church that, by the way, in case nobody told you that if you believe in Christ, that's not enough. There must be some sufferings. You need to ask yourself, what have I suffered for Christ lately? Amen. Is this not the best season as we are gearing up to Good Friday to prepare for the death of Christ? We as believers need to be reminded that the suffering, the mother of all sufferings was his death on the cross. Nothing compares to that. But then as part of our calling, we are required to prepare our mind to suffer for his sake. Amen. Let's move to this scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to verse 18. Romans 8, 14 to 18. The scripture opens by saying, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit of God after baptism. Where did the Spirit lead him to? The wilderness. Amen. That's crazy. If you are led by the Spirit of God, it does not mean it is always going to be in a, 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 a garden of fruits where you are going to enjoy. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, or these are the children of God. Okay, continue. For he did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Can we move to the next one? The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you are a child of God, there's no way you are going to doubt that you are a child of God. Within you, you know you are a child of God. Hallelujah. Just like whether you are male or female, you don't wake up one morning and you say, I, I, I don't feel like I'm a, a boy or a girl. You know, that, 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 is, that is biologically possible. Amen. Okay, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we, now look at this scripture. You see, we have received a biased teaching of bless me God, bless me God, bless me God, bless me God. But the scripture is opening our eyes that, you see, if somebody tells you the full package, the person is doing you a favor. If you want a ride from here to Louisville, Kentucky, and you find somebody is going to Louisville, Kentucky, and they can give you a free ride. What are some of the questions you should ask? 
Okay, how much do I contribute to the, towards the gas? Is that not so? What else is important to ask? Are you going straight from Columbus, Ohio to Louisville, Kentucky? The person has a cousin who lives in Dayton. Dayton is even a little bit on the way. Cincinnati is also on the way. The person needs to first go to Toledo, meet somebody in Toledo. And then from Toledo, so Toledo is close to where? How do you call it? Uh, Mansfield or whatever. Then let's go. If you don't ask the right questions and you get to hop into the car, thinking that the person is going to take you to Louisville, what, three and a half hours? No. You are going to arrive in six hours because there are many other stops on the way. So if somebody says, I'm going to give you a ride to Louisville, Kentucky, and they tell you, by the way, I'm going to pass Toledo first. From Toledo, I will go to where? Mansville. And then from there, I will pass through Dayton. Before I would eventually, actually, when we get to Kentucky, I'll first go to Lexington in Kentucky and then come to Louisville. When you have all the information, then you have a chance to choose whether you are taking Greyhound bus or you want a free ride to where? Louisville, Kentucky. But if the person doesn't give you all the information and they just, you, you, they, 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 it means they have deceived you. Christians have been deceived because we have not understood that part of our calling is to suffer with Christ. And now my duty is to let you know that it is part of our calling to suffer with Christ. Look at the scripture. He said, if we are children, then we are heirs. For Christ is the first son, first begotten. So if we have been called along Christ as children of God, we are heirs. In other words, we deserve to inherit. We are joined heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. Believers love that part. If we are Christians, we believe in Christ, we are joined heirs with Christ. So whatever Christ inherits, we also share in it. But then there's a nice little word after the Christ. It says, if. Sister Eunice will tell you it's a conditional word. If. Amen. If indeed we suffer with him. If indeed we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. Suffering with Christ. So somebody has said, well, Christ has died on the cross. It is finished. His part is finished. But your part just begun. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He has finished his part. You have to do your part. That we may also be glorified together. So your glorification is linked with participating in the sufferings of Christ. What you would accomplish through the sufferings of Christ. Hallelujah. Let's look at this scripture too. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 16. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 16. Look at it. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. This is Peter. He's, he's been with Jesus for three and a half years. He has seen the resurrected Christ. He was there when Christ ascended to heaven. He was there when the Holy Spirit came down. He was the one who took the gospel first to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. He has seen Jesus do many miracles. As a matter of fact, one time, Jesus and Peter were broke. They didn't have money. And, and the, the tax, uh, IRS came around. So you have to pay. It's April what? Is it April 15th? April 15th, you have to pay your taxes. And Jesus looked at Peter. Because the thing is that the fact that you are a son of God doesn't mean once you live in this land, you have to pay taxes. Amen. Jesus sent Peter to go to the sea. And he said, the first fish that you catch, open it, and there's money there. What a long way to pay your taxes. 
But Jesus performed miracles. Peter witnessed that. But look at what Peter is saying. He said that, that to the extent you partake of Christ's sufferings, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. When they say to the extent you do this, then that, what does that mean? As long as you can do this, you can have that. Do you get it? To the extent you, you do this, you can have this. So to the extent you partake, the word partake means what? It, it, you take part. Take part. So the big question is, Christ has died on a As a matter of fact, when Christ was suffering, when Christ was arrested, you see, we laugh at Peter, but think about it. Peter did something. You see, the whole point is that before you pass away from this earth, you must do something, Abito, before you die. If your name is Abito, do something before you die. Amen. When they came to the garden to arrest Christ, Peter and the others were there. What did Peter do? He took a sword. He did something. I mean, he may have run away later on, but initially he did something. He took the sword and he cut the ear of, of the, one of the servants. Amen. Jesus took it and healed it. And then they took Jesus. I don't know whether Peter thought Jesus was going to evaporate into the air. I think he genuinely believed that they can't arrest Jesus. He's the son of God. But to his shock, he saw Jesus taken by these soldiers. And, they, and then he said, okay, let me continue to see what, what is going to happen. Amen. Peter followed them until they took uh, Jesus to where? The household of Caiaphas, who was the high priest at that time. Amen. Now, at the household of Caiaphas, Jesus was inside, and the Bible says that Peter, there was a fire, uh, uh, people had put up a fire that they are using to warm themselves. And Peter went there to also warm himself. You can't give the guy some credit. Amen. Where were the rest? He had run away. But then, somebody came and said, hmm, when I look at your face, you are Galilean. You are one of them. The Bible said, Peter said, no. Stop what you are saying. Stop that rough right there. Because, you see, you can follow somebody up to a point, but when it comes to a matter of life and death, it is not as easy as you may think. Look, in Florida the other day, is it a month ago or three weeks ago, they say that there was a police officer, a deputy on duty, who did not even attempt to confront the, 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 the guy with the gun. Amen. And everybody is blaming and saying that he was a coward, he was whatever. And then I saw an article on the internet written by some veterans, retired military officers. They are saying, don't be too quick to jack the guy. He said, we are soldiers. He said that sometimes in the heat of the war, people are doing number two on themselves. People are running. It's like the stories you hear is the often is the, is the beautified, nice, summarized version. But what really happened in the heat of the action is not so easy. Amen. So Peter ran away. But then, so what we, Peter is saying, we must partake of the Christ's sufferings. At the time he was writing, Christ's sufferings are over, as in the suffering that Jesus of Nazareth suffered, right? Because he had died and resurrected. So what Christ's suffering is Peter talking about? The reality is that our calling as believers is that the way of the cross that Christ went through 
that it is going to duplicate for you. You are going to go through the same stages. It's not as in you are going to help Christ carry his cross like Simon of Cyrene. No. But then whatever happened to Christ, to partake of Christ's suffering means that what happened to Christ will happen to you. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he said, don't be, verse 12 said, don't be too what? Surprised. When these things happen to you, don't be surprised. Don't consider it as strange. If you are following someone and there's a group of cow poop, uh, uh, cows have passed here. And there's a lot of cows that have pooped all over the place. And you are following someone and the person has stepped into that. What is going to happen to you? If it is the same road you are on, you are also about to step on cow poop. So if you find uh, the poop on your shoe, why are you surprised? The suffering of Christ, if we are followers of Christ, we must not be surprised that Jesus too shall suffer just as Christ suffered. Hallelujah. Next verse. It says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. So if you are suffering because of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Peter is going to make a caveat. He is going to qualify his statement. That is not all suffering, that is because of Christ. Look at that. Next verse. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Amen. <laughs> so, you see, he's making a, 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 a distinction here. That when we are talking about suffering for Christ, we are not talking about suffering that you bring upon yourself because, because you are not working with Christ. Hallelujah. There are certain sufferings that will come upon you based on what you do. You bring it upon yourself. But sometimes because of the name of Christ and how you, you choose to live your life, you will suffer certain things. That's what Peter is talking about. Let's add verse 16. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So we are talking about suffering as a Christian. Not the universal suffering that has come upon the world, sometimes because of our sin. Hallelujah. Because of not working with God. He said, even when you are busy yourself in other people's matters, some sufferings can come upon you. Amen. What you would accomplish through the sufferings of Christ. That's the title of our message. Now let's bring it back to Christ because he is the one who went through this. We are going to read a few verses. Before Christ went to the cross, he had the opportunity to run away. Amen. When you don't know what is about to happen and it happens to you, there's no nothing you can do. But he was already aware that he was going to go to the cross. So look at Luke. Luke 18. No, Luke chapter 9. This is the passage about how they went to the mountain of transfiguration. Luke chapter 9 and verse 28. You see, before you pass on from this life, you must accomplish certain things. Now it came to pass about eight days after this say that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. That is Jesus. Okay? Next verse. And he prayed. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white as it and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. Hallelujah. Who appeared in glory. Anyone who has passed on from this life, they are not really dead. They are alive with God. Moses and Elijah were gone many years ago, but they came to talk to Jesus. They appeared in glory and spoke, of, look at this verse. They spoke of what? 
of his disease which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Maybe we'll pause there. If you read the rest of the story, you know, Peter came into a trance and he was saying things like building a tent for them. But let's dwell on that verse. He said Jesus was about to accomplish something at Jerusalem. What was Jesus about to accomplish at Jerusalem? His death. Hallelujah. If you read some other translation of the Bible, this is New King James. The word disease is uh, his exodus or his departure. Hallelujah. Some other translations are his departure to heaven. Is that not a nice place to go to? Heaven? But here, the King James and the New King James, they spoke of his disease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. He's talking about Moses and Elijah came to talk to Christ about the sufferings. Perhaps they brought a word of encouragement from Father God that, look, don't be spared. You are about to go to Jerusalem and suffer, but don't be spared. Hallelujah. But what's interesting is that he used the word accomplish. Amen. You see, in this country, when you are looking for a job, you have to prove to the interviewer the things that you have what? Accomplished. Your resume represents the things you have accomplished. Hallelujah. And now we are talking about the sufferings of Christ is one of the things you must accomplish. Hallelujah. It must be on your resume that one day you can say what I have survived, what I have been through. Because it's not about what you are doing now. It's not about what you have achieved that people can see, but what you went through to be able to get there. Hallelujah. Because some people go through, and by the time they come out, they are done. They can't continue anymore. So what you have accomplished by way of suffering becomes one of the things in your spiritual resume. Hallelujah. Let's look at another scripture. Luke 18 and verse 31. Luke chapter 18 and verse 31. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. That is Jesus speaking. We are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of God will be what? Accomplished. He's talking about his suffering as if it is some great enjoying thing he's going to experience. He said, I must go through this gate and accomplish it. Look at this other scripture. Gospel of John chapter 19 and verse 28. Gospel of John 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. At this time, Jesus had been arrested. He was already on the cross. So there were certain things that the prophetic scriptures have written that he must accomplish. He must go through them. And so when all things had been accomplished, he, he, he said, I test. Because he had to say, I am thirsty. Amen. Look at this scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, Hebrews 12, 1, every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That scripture talks about the Christian life as a race. Fixing our eyes on who? On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who? Who? For what? For the joy that was set before him, 
he sang hallelujah, praise the Lord. For the joy that was set before him, he said, great, bring it on. For the joy that was set before him, he enjoyed the cross. Did he enjoy the cross? As we are talking about suffering as a Christian, we are not saying it is some something romanticized, something that you enjoy, that you would enjoy it. The scripture used in Hebrews that he endured the cross. There are certain things that you would endure as a follower of Christ. Endure means that it is hard, right? But you have to go through it. Amen. What did Christ endure? One of the things that you would have to accomplish because Christ accomplished and suffered is he endured temptation. Hallelujah. The Bible says he became all things as a human being with same flesh as us. Hallelujah. You, you, you remember two events in the beginning of his ministry. The scripture said that Christ, he was led by the spirit to go to the wilderness where he fasted for how many days? 40 days. After which the devil came to what? Tempt him. The temptation was hard because the man was hungry. You, you, you look at the, 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 the stone. He said, change it to bread. Hallelujah. So we are talking about what sufferings you must endure for Christ's sake. Everything that happened to Christ happened to you. Temptation is one of the things, one of the sufferings you suffer. Hallelujah. Why, why is it hard? Because the thing that tempts you is something that you, you really want. Hallelujah. You really want this thing. But Christ resisted the temptation to turn the bread to, uh, uh, stone to bread because he said that the first and foremost thing that his mind must be on is that the word of God is his food. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean eating is wrong, but then to do something that is being suggested by the devil. There are times, there's a good time to do everything. Hallelujah. That's why in this church, we don't encourage people who are not married to be sleeping together. Amen. Amen. Why do you have to commit fornication when you can commit love in marriage? Uh, Amen. Amen. It's the same act, but it's being done at the wrong time. Are you with me? So Jesus later ate bread, did he not? But at that moment, it was not the right time. And so you are going to be tempted. You are going to suffer. You are going to, it's like your body is craving for something. But then, the temptation that Christ endured is a symbol to you that you would also endure temptation. In fact, the prefix, the condition, the, the bait. You see, a temptation is always has a bait to it, right? A bait is something you use to get if you go fishing. You use it to get the fish. The devil said, you know, right before Christ went to the, the, the wilderness, the father had told Christ, you are what? My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the devil comes around, and he uses what the father had told him to tempt him. He said, if you are what? The son of God. So in other words, he was poking holes into the word of God. That what the father has told you, you must do something now to prove it. That if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Hallelujah. That was the temptation. Now, if you are the son of God, and did, did Jesus have any doubt that he was the son of God? In fact, if he didn't know, even if he was doubtful, right before he came here, the father himself had spoken. So even if he was not sure what the mother told him, that, look, I conceived you by virgin birth and immaculate conception and all that, the father had just spoken to him. But now, he has to 
he has the opportunity to prove it. That if it is true, let me do this. That wasn't the last time the devil came to tempt him. When Christ was on the cross, hallelujah, when the father has already determined that he must die this death to bring salvation, the devil who tempted him at the beginning of his ministry, he came back. You see, temptations are not just one soul. Temptations are things that they keep coming at you because the devil knows your weakness. And I'm speaking to you, whoever you are, whatever thing you are struggling with. The devil knows your weakness. So he will keep coming. He will keep coming. He will keep trying. He will keep... The devil came in the voice of the people standing by. They said, Christ was hanging on the cross. They said, if you are the son of God, save yourself and step down from the cross. Look, Mr. Yvonne, if it was me, I would have done something. Because, you see, if you are somebody important, but people around don't know who you are, and they are trying to belittle you, sometimes you, have, you feel like showing a little bit to show them, look, I am not a small man around here. Do you get it? I would have told the father, father, it's not that I don't want to die. At the death, I will die. But these guys are getting on my nerves. Just allow me to come down from the cross to demonstrate that I am the son of God. And then I will come back on the cross and die. After all, it's a death that you want, right? Yes. Imagine if Christ had done that, it would have been in violation of the will of the father. So the temptation must have been very strong. In fact, the two thieves, they were saying the same thing. That look, I mean, all this thing they are saying about you, you can do, you can easily stop this. Save yourself and save us. Do you get it? One thief got smarter and said, you know what? Stop what you are saying. This man is a holy man. We, we deserve this. But that temptation that came at the beginning of Christ's ministry, it came back. That is the way the devil does it. That you are going to be constantly tempted. And the suffering of the temptation, the suffering is the resistance. How you resist. One of the temptations is unforgiveness. That is one of the very, very hard temptations. You know, yesterday somebody sent me a little clip that doctors have discovered that there's a connection between certain diseases and unforgiveness. That if you keep unforgiveness, in fact, even cancer, the cells that will fight cancer cells, if unforgiveness is in you, those cells don't function well. It's a doctor. If you like, I will put it on the church platform. What's that platform? Ulcers. Amen. Are you with me, somebody? So the temptation, what makes it temptation? Anything that is easy is not a temptation. But if the person who is hurting you, is, if they are dead, then they are gone. If the person who is hurting you is around and alive and, and is in your face and you meet the person from time to time and then they have a way of saying certain things or singing certain songs or doing some things which more or less revive the anger. That is the temptation. But Christ has called us to peace. The Bible says, seek peace and pursue it. That's the temptation. The temptation that the devil knows. So the suffering is your ability to keep resisting what the devil wants to use as a bait. That is the suffering. The first suffering we have discussed is the temptation of Christ. Now you must get ready that the devil is not going to pack his tools and leave after you have overcome him. No, he's going to come back. And he may not come back as a devil with, with what? Horns and a red eye. He will come back through people who are close to you. He will come back through people 
people, it's like human beings will be used as agents against you. But if you have already been forewarned that I will be tempted and I must overcome, God will give you the grace to overcome. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Let's stand up to our feet. Commit yourself to the Lord. Ask God for grace. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here, you are not born again. You've never started this journey. You've never invited Christ to come and live in your heart, to forgive you your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. There's no need that we have to be eternally separated from God. If you are that person, lift up your hand. You are a believer. Maybe you have walked away from God. The Holy Spirit is ministering to you. Like this is a time to reconcile to God. Lift up your hand if you are that person. To rededicate your life to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, our sovereign Messiah. Pray with me. Thank you, my Savior, for your loving grace, for the blood of Christ, the blood of sprinkling that was shed for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead for my justification. Now give me your grace to walk in the same path, to not only believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. So help me, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. We are going to take our first and best, our tithes. If you paid your tithes online,